Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Oncology Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Quill. Today's episode features expert discussion regarding promising agents in clinical trials for patients with acute myeloid leukemia. This episode is part of a larger educational program titled Current and Future Treatment Strategies for Acute Myeloid Leukemia. During this podcast, Dr. Naval Daver from the MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston discusses promising investigational agents and treatment combinations in clinical trials for patients with newly diagnosed or relapsed refractory AML. Among the therapies that will be discussed are the investigational FLT3 inhibitors, prenolanib and quizartinib, the anti-CD47 antibody, megrolamib, the anti-CD70 antibody, kuzituzumab, a CD123 antibody drug conjugate, IMGN632, and APR246, a small molecule that targets the TP53 mutation. For more information on our faculty for this program, along with a link to the complete program, including a commentary examining potential FLT3 therapies in greater detail, please visit the show notes for this episode. Now let's get started and hear what Dr. Daver has to say on these important topics. There have been a number of developments and breakthroughs in the treatment of acute myeloid leukemia in the last few years. To put this in perspective, for the prior three decades, we had only one drug approved for acute myeloid leukemia. This was antibody drug conjugate gemtuzumab ozogomycin, and that agent unfortunately was withdrawn from the U.S. market in 2010 after a confirmatory phase three study did not show the benefit seen in the initial phase two studies. However, things have changed quite dramatically in the last three years with the FDA approval of eight new drugs in the United States. These include new targeted therapies, including two new FLT3 inhibitors, mitostorin in combination with induction chemotherapy for frontline FLT3 ITD and or DA35 mutated patients, as well as potent second-generation FLT3 inhibitor giltritinib in relapse refractory FLT3 ITD and or DA35 mutation. Also, two other targeted therapies targeting the IDH pathway, IDH1 inhibitor ivocitinib, as well as IDH2 inhibitor enocitinib. The other four approvals include a immune targeting agent, gemtuzumab, that targets CD33 on the surface of acute myeloid leukemia cells and delivers a toxin, calichomycin into the acute myeloid leukemia cell, causing death of the AML cell. Also, very important and probably one of the most important approvals and breakthroughs in acute myeloid leukemia treatment is a BCL2 inhibitor that actually promotes apoptosis. This is a drug called venetoclax. In addition to this, there are agents such as CPX351, which is showing increased survival in secondary and therapy-related acute myeloid leukemia and was approved based on randomized phase three studies showing that CPX351 significantly improved overall survival, but also appeared to improve CR, CRI rates and reduce early mortality compared to three plus seven in the specific very high-risk group of patients who have secondary or therapy-related AML or AML with MDS-related cytogenetic changes above 60 years of age. So we said CPX351, which is... Um, approved for therapy secondary AML or AML arising from prior MDS, and then 
a hedgehog inhibitor called Glastigib that has been approved in combination with lodocytarabine, also for older AML, not suitable for intensive chemotherapy. So we now have uh, a number of active agents, and we are trying to find the optimum patient scenario to use these therapies in. In addition to this, there are a number of new emerging drugs uh, that I will be focusing on that we hope will also be added to the acute myeloid leukemia treatment armamentarium. Among these, the ones that we are currently most excited about are a second-generation FLT3 inhibitor with very high potency called quizartinib, as well as another second-generation broader FLT3 inhibitor, cronolinib. Also, we have new immune therapies that may be very effective in the future in acute myeloid leukemia and high-risk MDS. This includes a macrophage-enhancing antibody called megrolumab that blocks CD47 on the surface of the macrophages, resulting in activation of macrophages. Also, we have new drugs that seem to target efficiently TP53. This is an agent called APR246. And we have new antibody drug conjugates that we hope will potentially be safer than gemtuzumab and hopefully more effective. And these include drugs such as cusatuzumab that targets CD70 on the surface of acute myeloid leukemia blasts, as well as leukemia stem cells and progenitors, and IMGN632, which is a CD123 antibody drug conjugate using an alkylating payload that targets CD123 expressed heavily on AML mature cells as well as BLAST. So to discuss a little bit more about these emerging treatments, first talking about the FLT3 inhibitors, quizartinib is a very active, one of the most potent FLT3 inhibitors in preclinical studies and has been in development now for many years. The initial phase one and phase two studies showed quizartinib in relapse refractory FLT3 ITD-mutated AML was able to generate marrow remission rates of about 45 to 55% which were very, very encouraging. And in general, the drug had a good safety and tolerability profile. It did cause cardiac QTC prolongation, but in our experience using this drug extensively, these were usually not associated with clinical events and could be managed by close EKG monitoring and appropriate adjustment of other QTC prolonging medications. Uh, Quizartinib was recently evaluated in randomized phase three study, the quantum R study, which was 350 plus patients who received either quizartinib or investigator choice salvage chemotherapy, which could be either low intensity or high intensity. And this was powered for a primary endpoint of overall survival. The study in fact did meet its primary endpoint of improved overall survival with quizartinib versus investigator choice chemotherapy and also showed that there was a significant improvement in the CRC rates with the quizartinib as compared to investigator choice chemotherapy, where the quizartinib showed a CRC rate of about 50% as compared to investigator choice chemotherapy, which was about 25%, so almost doubling the marrow remission rates, and in general, seem to be well tolerated. There were QTC prolongations seen with this agent, and that has been one of the issues that has slowed down the development and approval of the quizartinib. Quizartinib is now in evaluation in the frontline phase three study called the quantum first study that is looking at three plus seven quizartinib versus three plus seven in newly diagnosed frontline 
split 3 ITD mutated AML who are considered fit for induction chemotherapy. This study has actually completed enrollment a few months ago, and we are hoping to see the results early in 2021. This study is powered for overall survival uh, with a co-important endpoint of event-free survival, and if the study meets its endpoint, then this will lead to the approval of Quizartinib, hopefully in the frontline setting, in combination with 3 plus 7 induction, which will hopefully translate into improved responses, improved depth of responses, and improve overall survival compared to what we are currently seeing with induction in the FLT3 mutated patients. And Quizartinib is also being evaluated in, number of norm, in a number of novel combinations, such as azacitidine or decitabine with Quizartinib, and most novel are combinations of quizartinib with venetoclax or quizartinib with HMA and venetoclax, and these currently are ongoing in multiple centers. The other FLT3 inhibitor that is of interest to us is cronolinib. Uh, this is an agent that targets both the ITD and the DA35. Cronolinib is currently being evaluated in two phase three studies, one of them in the frontline setting looking at induction therapy with cronolinib versus induction therapy with mitostorin. This study is ongoing and will likely take another two to three years to complete enrollment, but the results are eagerly awaited. And the other study is looking in the salvage setting of uh, cronolinib with chemo versus investigator choice chemotherapy. Now moving on to some of the other very exciting agents and approaches in acute myeloid leukemia, it's really quite striking to see in the last five to six years how we have started to really understand the biology of AML, which has then translated into rapid development and approvals of very effective and safe treatments. Uh, the ones that we have the most clinical data about are the ones that I will discuss and the ones we are quite excited about and have experience with at our center. So first among these is a agent that targets CD47. Now, CD47 is a very interesting marker. This is actually uh, expressed on the surface of the tumor cells, not only leukemia cells, but also in lymphoma cells, as well as in many solid tumors. And CD47 on the surface of the tumor interlinks with SERP-alpha on the surface of macrophages and this interlinkage results in shutting down the macrophages, causing macrophage exhaustion or not allowing them to do their function of phagocytosis. So by using antibodies to either CD47 or SERP-alpha, we are able to disrupt this interaction that results in the macrophages becoming rejuvenated and doing their activity of phagocytosis of the tumor cells. There have been many elegant preclinical papers that have shown that this approach could be quite effective and this could be a mutation or cytogenetic agnostic approach to target acute myeloid leukemia. And this has led to now ongoing studies where we are combining drugs such as azacitidine with the macrophage antibody. Magrolumab is the one that is currently in clinical development and some of the data with this was presented at the ASH meeting in 2019 and the EHA meeting in 2020, showing that the frontline combination of azacitidine with the CD47 antibody megrolumab in high-risk MDS, as well as in acute myeloid leukemia, is showing encouraging response rates. In the higher-risk MDS patients, the overall response rates were about 90%, which included about 45 to 50% true CR rates 
this is very encouraging, uh, especially when you put into perspective that azacitine alone gives us true CR rates of about 15 to 18%. In addition, in acute myeloid leukemia, we are seeing a specific high response rate in patients who have a TP53 acute myeloid leukemia, which historically has been a very, very difficult type of acute myeloid leukemia to treat. And in this population, the combination of azacitine and megrolumab is, again, giving us higher than 70% CRCRI rates, which are quite encouraging and, in fact, are better than what we have been seeing with azacitine menetoclax. So this, of course, has led to phase three studies evaluating this combination of azacitine megrolumab against azacitidine in MDS and potentially ways to move this forward in TP53 AML. The other exciting agents are antibody drug conjugates. Uh, this includes antibody drug conjugates such as IMGN632, which is a CD123 antibody drug conjugate using a alkylating payload called, called IGN. Uh, this agent has been evaluated in relapsed refractory acute myeloid leukemia, showing about 25% CRCRI rates. And this has now led to a number of combinations of azacitidine with IMGN632, venetoclax with IMGN632, and azacitidine venetoclax with IMGN632. Uh, we hope that such triplet combinations of azacitidine venetoclax with novel agents such as IMGN632 will improve not only the response rate, because the response rate actually is quite good with azacitidine venetoclax, almost 70%. So it's really hard to show a clear improvement in that. However, we do know that MRD negativity is only about 30-40%, so could we improve the MRD negativity to 70-80%? We also know that the median overall survival is 15 to 17 months, so could we improve the median overall survival beyond 22-24 months with such triplets? And that is being looked at with a number of agents, including the antibody drug conjugate IMGN632. The other antibody-based approach that we're quite excited about is an agent called Cusatuzumab, this actually is a naked antibody, and historically, naked antibodies have been evaluated in acute myeloid leukemia and have shown limited success. So the Cusatuzumab is one of the exceptions where a naked CD70-targeting antibody appears to actually show quite potent activity. The initial clinical data was combination of azacitidine with Cusatuzumab in frontline order AML who are not suitable for induction chemotherapy, and the investigators showed 9 out of 12 patients achieved a CRCRI. Also, very elegant correlative work was done, and it was shown that the Cusatuzumab preferentially and selectively was able to eradicate leukemia stem cells and progenitor cells, which may in part explain the potent activity of this agent in combination with the azacitidine. So this drug is now being evaluated in a combination such as azacitidine with Cusatuzumab, as well as a triplet of azacitine menetoclax usatuzumab, very similar approach to what we discussed with the IMGN, where we again are hoping that such triplets, either across the board or in specific subsets of AML, will give us better duration of response, deeper MRD negativity, and improved survival compared with azacitine menetoclax alone, and that will have to be evaluated very closely on these ongoing trials. Another new and exciting agent is actually very important because it targets a very specific subset of AML called TP53. TP53 is becoming more and more the most difficult population for us to treat in acute myeloid leukemia. 
we see about 15 to 18% of newly diagnosed AML have TP53, and they have very poor outcomes in general, median survival of six to nine months, uh, which is bad irrespective of age of the patient or the fitness. And we're also seeing that now a lot of people who are failing treatments such as azacidine minetoclax are in fact showing emergence or expansion of TP53. So it's becoming a growing problem both in the front line as well as a problem of secondary resistance through TP53 mutations. And to target this, there is a drug called APR246, which seems to enhance the function of TP53 by directly targeting the protein. And this drug has shown, mainly in MDS, where most of the initial patients were enrolled, that the combination of azacitidine with APR246 can generate marrow remission CRCRI rates of almost 80 to 90%, which is very, very exciting and higher than we have seen with almost any other treatments for TP53 mutated MDS. So this drug has just completed a phase three of AZA, APR versus AZA in higher risk MDS. We hope to see those results in the next six to nine months, which will hopefully get this agent initially approval in high risk MDS, but also in parallel studies are now looking at both AZA-APR and AZA-Benetoclax plus APR, again, that triplet approach, specifically in the TP53-mutated AML. So we think now we have two drugs, both of which hopefully will be effective in the near future and give us some solutions for this TP53 AML. These are the two drugs, APR246, which directly seems to act at the TP53 protein level, and magrolumab, the CD47 antibody, which seems to activate macrophages and seems to work across all mutations, including and maybe even specifically in the TP53 mutated patients. So in the last part, where are we going with all of these new targeted therapies and immune therapies? I think FLIT3 is a very important example to discuss and highlight. When we started work in FLIT3 almost 19 years ago, the initial seminal papers by the German, British, as well as U.S. groups showed that in newly diagnosed FLIT3 mutated AML, the expected five-year survival was 20 to 25 percent. And the most recent updates from the RATIFY study where patients receive FLIP3 inhibitor with induction were taken to transplant because all FLIP3 mutated patients in general should be considered for transplant. Followed by post-transplant maintenance, we saw that patients who received such a total therapy approach could have 65 to 70% five-year survival, so almost tripling the five-year survival compared to 18 years ago for FLIP3 mutated patients by adding FLIP3 inhibitor, by considering and proceeding early to allogenic stem cell transplant, and then most recently by adding a post-transplant maintenance with a FLIP3 inhibitor for which there is data now with serofinib and ongoing studies evaluating giltritinib. Furthermore, I think the triplet approaches combining azacidine minetoclax with the second-generation FLIP3 inhibitors such as giltritinib, quizartinib, or with IDH inhibitors, IDH1, ivocitinib, IDH2, inositinib, will really improve the response rates, but more importantly, the MRD eradication, as well as the overall survival in older AML who cannot receive induction chemotherapy, and all of these triplets are being evaluated. For the non-FLIT3, non-IDH, we are looking at other triplets. These include triplets of azacidine minetoclax with antibodies, Cusatuzumab, immunogen, and then for TP53, now we're looking at triplets of azacidine minetoclax with 
CD47 antibody megrolumab or APR. And now most recently, we have a new target and new drug that is emerging that is looking at MLL rearrangement. This is a specific cytogenetic aberration seen in about 3 to 5% of AML. Not a big group, but unfortunately a group that tends to do quite poorly. And we have new drugs called menin inhibitors that have started showing early data that these could become a next major breakthrough targeted approach in AML and produce single agent activity. So I, I see that in the future, five or 10 years from now, we will have many, many small subsets, split three, TP53, IDH1, IDH2, MLL rearranged, many other targeted therapies that emerge, and such personalized approaches will allow us to avoid, maybe completely avoid, but hopefully at least reduce intensive chemotherapy requirement and depend more and more on targeted therapy with lower intensity backbones, maybe to start with in the older patients, but eventually, potentially, even in younger patients, as has been done in multiple myeloma, and hopefully will result in better tolerability and improved outcomes in acute myeloid leukemia. And we hope that in the next 10 to 20 years, we could get to 60 to 80% cure rates for all of our AML patients, which I think is quite possible with optimal selection and application of these therapies. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Dr. Daver, and thanks to you, the listeners, for joining us. As a reminder, to view the full program, current and future treatment strategies for acute myeloid leukemia, and to access the text commentary on future treatments for patients with AML and FLT3 mutations from the Clinical Care Options website, please click on the link in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. 